Hey guys, this is Coach Kita Bussy with 180 Firearms Training Podcast. We have Mike Seifert from the East Coast. We've got Grant Chancellor Madison from South Africa, and we've got Kristen Day. And she is going to be talking with us today about websites, especially if you are a firearms instructor and you want a firearms training specific website. She's going to talk us through how to get you set up with that. We touched on this with Tim Heron and Steve Fisher where Steve was suggesting that maybe social media might go away a little bit for people using firearms and you're going to have to have a website. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do for work and with your firearms training? Well, I live in Texas. I'm not from here. I'm from California, then Virginia, so military kid. Um, live in Texas for about eight years with my husband. Uh, started into internet marketing for myself, seeing as I left corporate America and then trying to get a job down here in Houston. So I do internet marketing, website development, SEO, and paid ads for Google, as well as I used to do some social media. And I know you just kind of said that in your intro about social media and what it means for firearms instructors. Um, I'm a competitive shooter as well. So naturally people always ask me, ladies, about, you know, hey, help me find a, a firearm or you need to teach me how to shoot, blah, blah, blah. So I started getting into training as well. So kind of it makes a nice blend for this topic um, about firearms instruction um, and having a website of presence because that kind of something that I've done for myself as well. Now, you mentioned SEO. For those who don't know, that is search engine optimization. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So basically, when you do a search on Google, um, what you, the key terms that you put in the search browser is basically whatever it is you're looking for. And Google does its little algorithm mojo magic and basically finds what it thinks is the best uh, websites to show up for your search. Um, well, that doesn't magically happen. Um, if you put the work in behind your website um, and the content on your website, then you have better chances of showing up in search. So if you have no content on your page about, say, firearms instruction, then naturally Google is not going to return your website because it's not going to know that you're talking about website or uh, firearms training for your business or for your website. So you need to make sure that you have a lot of content <clears throat> words on the page that Google knows that that's what you're talking about. Okay. So anytime you make a change on your website, that triggers this line of events. Can you, do you know what I'm talking about? Can you tell absolutely. us about that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Busy lady. So I know, right? So basically... Um, when you optimize or work on your website on a regular basis, i.e. blogs or updating your content on your website, you're telling Google that you're still present in this space and that I'm doing something regularly. You're trying to provide more value to your consumer, whomever that may, may be. So as you're updating it, you're telling Google, yes, you need to come back to my website a little bit more often because I'm actually trying to update it. So there's better chances for Google, meaning the Spiders, the bots, to come back to your website on a little bit more regular basis the to spiders. cash. Yes, spiders. Is that what they're um, called? They're, that's they are called that. <laughs> so to come back to your website, because remember, when you do a search on Google, it's it doesn't take hours for those that result to come back. It's because that information is already cached, stored on Google's server, basically. 
to, to return that result for you. So they have to constantly crawl, spiders crawl, your website on a regular basis to have that content ready for when somebody wants to search your, search that term, basically. Okay, so when somebody is trying to come up with a name for their business in firearms, how can they optimize it? Are there particular types of names that are more searchable than others? Well, it's the terms that people are searching. So if you say like your name, if somebody was looking for you, obviously your name would be an ideal name for your website business. Um, You have a 180 firearms training. So if somebody already knows that, then they need to search for that. But maybe how about what people would be searching for for general terminology. So if I'm looking for a firearms instructor, that might be a good term to search. So mine is women training firearms with Kristen. So that would be a great term for somebody who's looking for women who are looking to train with firearms. And then, of course, I have a shortened version because who's going to remember that order in that specific? So because it fits my personality, WTFKristen.com redirects <laughs> to that. And the letters stand for something. So WTF is women training firearms with Kristen, because they're not going to remember. We have to make it easier for the consumer. So getting back to the original answer, and the point is, is using terms on your website that make the most sense for the consumers that you're trying to reach. So if you're trying to reach women, make sure that you're using either the term women, ladies, et cetera, in your content on your website. And if it works in your title, great. Not everybody can have a catchy title, you know, but but make it easy for people to remember. So you're like, hey, so-and-so, go to xyz.com. If you're going to make them go to this letters like five, four, 170 point, whatever, they're never going to remember. They're not going to find you. So that's the goal is to make sure that your content on your website is something that relevant is relevant and, you know, resonates with your target market. Okay. So is that, is that for, is that for free searches or is that, so like, what's the difference between like a, like setting your stuff up for not having to pay Google. And then like, I know that Google runs something that you can pay them to, what does that do? Does that keep your, your business or your website relevant? Even if you're not active on it, is that what paying Google does? So two, two things. So search engine optimization is organic. That means that it's free. Okay. I do the air quotes if you couldn't see. So free (coughs) means that you're doing the work on your content on your website. Now, if you're paying for somebody to do it, then technically it's not free, but it is free um, in the essence that we are all uh, trying to reach, utilize those same 10 spaces, okay? To To the rest of your question, Mike. So we have 10 organic results and usually 10 paid results. So if you wanna show up in search organically, free, um, then you're going to take, it's going to take time. You can't work on your website today. And I'm going to say, I'm going to throw in, you know, women training firearms throughout every page of my website. I'm going to show up tomorrow for it. Doesn't, doesn't work that way. However, I could pay to show up in the top 10 or the top three or say the top five. And I could be there tomorrow because I'm going to use those exact terms. Now, again, you have to use the terms that people are searching. I can't put in there and say that I want to do like, um, uh, Shucks, I can't think of a word right off that, but black gloves. If I don't have the word black gloves or nobody's searching for black gloves, then why would I pay for that term, black gloves, right? So you want to you want to pay for the terms that you think people are going to use to get to your website. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so you can in- show up tomorrow. So you can show up tomorrow by paying to be there, or you can show up in you know six to nine months 
organically for terms and spending the time and the quality on your website. The end result, at the end of the day, you should always be working on your website because this is, this is your business card. And then Okita, you and I had spoke about this too, is, is your website is working for you 24 seven, as long as you're putting the time and the effort into your website. If this is a business and something that you plan on doing for a long time, you should always be working on it anyways. You should always be updating your content. You should always be adding more blogs and providing value to your consumer because at the end of the day, you own that space. This is you. This is your business. It's speaking for you. If somebody were to tell me about movement, a movement coach, and I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look it up and I see Keita and I was like, okay, well, she's pretty great. Well, what does that do for me? I'm going to research her further by looking at her website and I see what she says. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. She is an authority in what she says she does. Now I want to have a conversation with her. People aren't just going to naturally go, hey, Kita, can you tell me what you can do for me? You know, it just doesn't work that way. People want to do a little bit of research first. So you're going to research it first. And where are you going to research it? On that person's website. Yeah. And that's something that I need help with because I'm, like I say, I'm computer dumb. I'm computer illiterate. So I need education on this, which is why I reached out to you. So you can educate me on how to update my blog, how to get a nice calendar on there with buttons where people can click it and just check out and pay for the class right there or sign up for the class right on the website. I don't know how to set those things up. So that's why I got in contact with you. So where can people reach you? And I'll put that in the show notes too. Well, my, so my day job is marketing and that's a visual business. So the letter A, visual, like seeing and business. So I also kind of created that name because it puts me at the front of the alphabet. So a visual business, right? So when you're in networking groups and they're doing us, um, you know, they're listing all the businesses, it gives me a better chance to show up. Um, it was kind of back from the old days with the yellow pages of trying yeah. to be in the beginning of the, the, the yellow book, right? Well, we don't have that anymore. So <laughs> it doesn't really work, but you know, I also uh, do a redirect for my name, but but it's avisualbusiness.com. You can also find me on, um, you know, my firearms training, contact me that way, which is wtfkristen.com, which kind of, you know, hits my personality quite well. <laughs> but I've got that. the church version, so it redirects, which is why it's always a nice thing to have your business name as well. Because when you have your, your um, excuse me, your personal name, your personal name, because if it's easy to spell or if it's easy to remember, then people will remember it. And maybe they don't remember your 180 firearms training. I mean, Kita people, I think, are, you know, think of that, you know, Kita and, you know, 180 firearms training is synonymous, but maybe they don't. And you want them to find you, not some other person who has a similar name. That's fair. So in 2020, 2021, a lot of people became unemployed, unable to work with, with this pandemic. And I think a lot of people looked at that as an opportunity to finally take that leap and pursue their dream. And for a lot of people, that was becoming a firearms instructor. So now these people need to be able to fill classes, be able to advertise themselves, have a website. And that's why we're doing this is to help all those people who took that leap of faith and help them land on their feet. So you did something similar to that. Absolutely. So I hit both sides of that spectrum. So as an internet marketing person, I lost about a good 40% of my business because small business owners thought that the, 
the part of their budget they should cut would be um, doing search engine optimization, maybe starting that website or running ads on Google because they, they, they had to cut the money somewhere. And while that was the last place they should have cut, because while, as we all know, where did everybody spend most of their time was online, that's just what happened. Um, my husband spends a lot of time out of town. My kids are no longer in the house. They're empty nest, I'm empty nester. So I became an extrovert stuck from home who already works from home and um, still getting people who wanted help. So I actually started my firearms business in 2021, April of 2021, so that I could get out of the house more. I could actually get paid for what I wanted to do, which is what I enjoy doing, which is empowering women. And I get to shoot, um, you know, because it's fun anyway. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it sounds like you, did you kind of, I want to be a firearms trainer or did so many people start asking you, can you train me? Can you train me? Can you train me? Like, and you just saw that market and just went for it. I think it's a combination of both. I'm, I'm a natural born leader. I like, um, I'm, I'm an extrovert. Uh, you know, I'm, I like to be with people, so I don't mind training. It's just, it was becoming something where it's like, um, I want to help more and I want to be good at it. So I took some more classes, like, um, I'm a USCCA instructor. And so I found their material to be really easy to lead. And it wasn't just about teaching them to shoot, but it was also about, um, situational awareness and the legal use of force and some of that other stuff that I just, I think it just, all of that stuff together combined made it to where it was just, I don't know, more fun and, um, just all encompassing. So I think a little bit of everything. Great. Okay. okay. Now, are you able to help international instructors with their websites or do you only work in the U.S.? I do work internationally. I have a client actually in Italy who has a wine, um, a winery. They, um, it's, it's been interesting because I get to learn about how the other countries are dealing with this. I have actually a blog writer in Canada as well. So I've been in, um, in, in, in an engagement with these people just because of the fact that they are my clients. And it's just interesting to see how other countries are dealing. And I, it makes me be a little bit more aware of what's going on around the world. I mean, of course, I watch the news and et cetera, as much as I, <laughs> as I can stand, but um, they're, they're going to be the same things. So sorry, let me back up. So Italy, she actually is on nine different search engines just because she has her website in uh, five different languages. So she has the translation tool on hers. So those would be some things that I actually am more, more versed now than I used to be just because of having a client that's already out of the country. So those are other things to consider is there's other search engines, but at the end of the day, search engine optimization is still going to be prevalent because number one, Google is Google. They do the translate. Um, other search engines are going to do the similar algorithm, I'm, I'm assuming, um, because we have to do the same work. And at the end of the day, our consumers are going to be the same. They're, to, they're looking for content. We need to provide that same value and et cetera to move forward. So it's essentially very similar, I believe. Okay. So does that, does that same concept apply to like YouTube and like Instagram and all that kind of stuff? Like we're talking about like, so like if you're trying to grow your YouTube page, does that kind of work the same way? Like you got to be uploading content and doing all that kind of stuff every day or um, to get more search hits or... So I'm going to say yes with uh, YouTube because YouTube is technically its own search engine. And, and remember, YouTube is Google. So I say if you want to be uh, found on search, meaning in Google, 
then you need to make Google happy and you do that by using YouTube. Plus YouTube is just good because video is good. And you wanna put, you still have to do the similar things, which is the, the meta tags, you know, the title and the description. You don't just upload a, a video and, and put a crappy title. You actually have to explain it. So yes on that. As far as social media, I'm, I'm not an IG kind of girl. I'm, I'm an old school like, you know, Facebook. And actually I wrote a blog about it for my A Visual Business side of talking about how uh, Facebook's making it really difficult for um, businesses. Remember, and, and a brief history lesson, remember back in the day, we used to be able to post stuff and, and uh, pay for likes. And then, then once you got those likes, then you can just start put posting on your business page about things and people would see it. And then it became a, well, no, now you've got to pay to, to reach those people that you paid to reach, you know, to get to like your page. And then it became, well, organic is still possible, but not likely. And then it became, well, now organic is not happening. You have to pay to play. But this, then the paid space became so heavily uh, overgrown that now we're paying more. And now I just did a blog where every, uh, you scroll on my, on my phone and every third uh, post is an ad. And that's after me spending hours, I kid you not, hours going through and unfollowing, unfollowing, un, you know, unhiding, hiding, hiding, changing all my privacy settings. And yet every third post is still an ad. So to your, to your question, you're going to have to <clears throat> post more and probably in, um, in Instagram, Facebook, that's not the case because nobody's seeing it anyways. So um, unless you're doing it personally, but even, even personal stuff is not being seen on Facebook because just like Keita said at the beginning of the show, um, firearms and two-way stuff is not what Facebook wants to share. And, you know, certain views are being filtered whether we like it or not. And, you know, we no longer have freedom of speech on some of these platforms. So I guess it's a little, it's going to be a lot different for the two-way industry as well as um, different political um, interests. So as far as Instagram is concerned, really not totally sure on that. That isn't my bread and butter, but um, I will say that you probably do have to post more in order to be seen more and making sure that you do the hashtags, which is important for um, Instagram. Yeah, what I found in my re research was five stories a day, which I don't ever do. But so I organically got nearly 15,000 followers on Instagram and they really started hammering down these algorithms that filter out anything firearms related. So every once in a while, I have to post something that's completely unrelated to anything I want to talk about. Like, oh, here's a picture of my dog. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Look, look what I ate today. But, right. You know, and it might be just learning how to be a little bit more creative about some of the things and how we word things, you know, but then, yeah. you know, or if you're putting it in pictures, it might take them longer for them to actually see what the picture says versus That's something I've done. the words. Yeah. How did that work for you? It did help. So when I'm talking about uh, Supervel ammunition, the word ammunition automatically shuts that post down. So instead I go into Canva where I can design ads and it posts as a photo. So they can't pick up that word ammunition as long as exactly. I don't put it in the description on the post. Yep. Crazy, huh? That's kind it's of ridiculous. Nuts. So can you tell us about apps? I think there are a lot of firearms instructors and shooters who have thought about creating an app for training. 
Can you touch on that for us? I'm going to touch on it very briefly. It is not my wheelhouse. I do have a friend who does um, mobile apps for a living. And so we kind of go back and forth. And actually, Ashley Sullivan, she's actually been on the show before. (laughs) Actually, no, I do know of Ashley, of course, but there's another friend of mine in the um, networking industry where she actually lives in your neck of the woods, uh, Kita. She's in in Wisconsin right now looking to move to Florida, but um, she, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) she's like, as she's getting older, she's like, I want to get out of here. I want to be warmer. So, um, but anyways, um, but we've talked about it just about from, from even a business standpoint from networking. So um, she does like chambers and stuff like that. And they, they're building apps. She's actually a client of mine. So we're always brainstorming on ways on what she can do. A mobile app is definitely different from having a mobile responsive website. So it definitely has different functionality. I think too, though, the mobile app industry is becoming so flooded um, with everybody creating an app for everything. And then you're dealing with an additional cost standpoint. So of course you still have your website and now you have this app that can do these different functionalities and the push notifications and et cetera. I think that there's still some value in having that. I just think that you need to drill down and figure out what you're going to use it for and that you're going to continuously use it. I mean, that's the same thing with anything. Don't just do everything, buy everything, be on every social media, but maybe pick one and just do it really well so that you can spend the kind of time and money and effort that you need on that one platform than to try to try everything. That's fair. Yeah, it, it's a lot of juggling between Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, website. It's a lot to do. It's a full-time job just it, posting. It right. Being a business owner isn't for the week. We know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> my, kids, my kids say, Mom, you just play on your phone all day. <laughs> no, <know>. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> right. And to throw another... Um, basically fuel to the fire is um, trying to stay in front of our market. What, what are other ways that we can do that? And web, uh, having your website is just a piece of it, but building your list is another, especially for the firearms industry. Because remember, kind of going back to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today is, so having a website is, your, is basically your calling card 24-7. So whether you're working or not, your calling card is out there on the internet. And hopefully people are still saying, hey, go check this website out or go check this person out. So that's one, but when you upload a new post, they're not going to, or let's say a new blog, they're not going to automatically go, hmm, I wonder if Kita did another blog today. I'm going to go find out if she did anything. Well, that's not going to happen, right? Or, or social media, we already talked about the problems there. So they're not, these people are not naturally going to go to your web, your social media profiles to see if you've done another YouTube video or you've done another X, Y, Z. And the chances of them organically seeing those are high, highly unlikely. So what's another way that we can um, almost guarantee that we can be in front of our consumer is that they sign up for your list. So if you sign up for my email list, now you're going to get a monthly email from me, or maybe every time I drop a new blog or a new YouTube video, I'm going to email it out to you and say, Hey, just wanted you to see my newest X, Y, Z. Now they're captive because they're in your email. They're nine times out of 10, they're at least going to look at it briefly. Um, whether they read it or not, or whether they unsubscribe or not, it's another story, but they originally plan to be there and they want to be there for a reason. Of course, you also have SMS, which we all look at our text messages, but I mean, that, as of right now, that's kind of a cost thing. I think for, for many of us who are getting into the firearms industry is we may not be willing to pay for that 
to, to say, hey, go check out my website, because that's basically what we're going to be doing anyway, is going to send them back. We're not going to send them this SMS that's, you know, 20 pages long, because that's not the goal of what um, texting is. So I, again, I still think having a list is a great thing. MailChimp, I know that Kita, you and I spoke about this briefly offline too, is um, MailChimp is a free tool to use for email marketing. You can get up to 2,000 emails and send up to 20,000 emails a month before you actually have to pay. So I think that's a great way to kind of test your market and see, you know, or start building that list. And you can integrate that on your website by having an automatic subscribe or if you find out people that are, you know, commenting, then maybe you can subscribe in. But it's really a good idea to make sure people subscribe to your email list, not you subscribing them for them, because that's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, so I want to I want to switch gears a little bit here instead of talking about the internet. Like, let's talk about like um, like what what are your classes like? So, let's say I wanted to come train with you, and let's say like like what do you do? Like, what's like a normal. Uh, thing like you meet on the weekends it's a two-day class it's a one-day class like it's uh you know like what is the the program if, if a woman was looking to train with you like what do, what do you think that they're going to go through in a regular class so for me i'm I, I don't know how everybody else does it but this is me i do one-on-one mostly um because i've dealt with a lot of women that have been skeptical before or have been really intimidated nervous or for whatever reason have been um held at gunpoint have had a PTSD issue with an ex and they want to shoot. They know that they need to, like a lot of people in this, in this day and age, last year and a half have felt the need to want to protect themselves and are still scared and Mm -hmm. their spouse is great, but you know, they, they just don't want to learn with their spouse. So I do a one-on-one. So my sessions are two, two separate sessions. I'll do one where it's like, we sit down, kind of talk about the issues real quick. Um, I go over the basic firearm safety and I drill it in. It's not just keep your finger off them, you know, and point it in a safe direction. I give them examples like, okay, so this means if I'm going like this with my hand out in front of my gun, my hand is now being swept by my muzzle and, and kind of talking about that because, you know, some of those common sense things that people understand treat a gun like it's loaded at all times. Hello, Baldwin. That means at all times. That means you're responsible for what happens to that gun that you hold in your hand at all times. And it's not accidentally discharging because you've already cleared it before that point and et cetera. Yes, other people should be responsible for that. But anyway, so there's that. And then um, I go through dry fire. And a lot of people don't understand that dry fire is something that we need to do on a regular basis. And so if I introduce them to that uh, right up front, then first of all, I get them comfortable without the bang. And then, and then we kind of go through some of these practices. And then the next session, we go to the range. I warm them up dry fire. Um, so they know, I know that they can hit the target. And then we introduce the bang. So that, that's kind of my session. And then I started doing some USCCA classes, like I just said, legal use of force, home and you know, safety protection. Some of those classes that are just like a small minimal, you know, $20, $30 class. But right now I just lost my range because they closed down long, long story short. And so I'm looking on another location and I like to do it where it's just an hour class session, hour and a half class. And then we go shoot on the range kind of free for all kind of thing. So do you so have any, that's me. Do you have any issues with teaching at, I'm assuming it's an indoor range? Yeah. Do you have any issues where they won't allow you to teach because you're an external instructor and they have their own internal instructors? Yes, it was really nice with the one that I was at because they'd gone through a couple of different GMs and they lost 
a lot of their staff. So they didn't have internal instructors. So I was okay. an outside instructor that had a lot of leniency and then they closed, which is the reason, I mean, I kind of expected this to happen. I, I did find another, another range that will allow me to instruct that person just has to pay their fee. And then there's another range that I'm working in um, to get that kind of arrangement set up. And I think he's pretty cool about that as well. But yes, that is a huge problem and a huge concern for, for uh, firearms instructors is to find a place that you can instruct that's not gonna number one, charge you an arm and a leg, but we also have to get our own insurance. And then you might have mm -hmm. to list that range on your insurance as well. So if you're not doing like, say you, PETA, you're doing all these different things all over, you can't possibly list every single range that you work at on I your, do. oh, you, gosh, you have to pay like $25 or something like that per, no, per one um, every time. Or So I go through CCW safe and you just pay your one-time fee. It's 400 some dollars a year and you get to add as many ranges as you want oh, okay. at no additional charge. It's just a flat rate. It's the best deal I found out there. That is awesome. What was that I again? loved it. It's CCW safe. I actually, I'll put a link in the show notes because I actually became, I loved it so much. I became an affiliate. Perfect. <laughs> so they, they do have a plan for firearms instructors, which is the best deal out there. And they cover a lot of things that other companies don't cover because these other companies change hands multiple times before it gets to the consumer, which adds on cost with each change of hands which means you get less stuff. Yep. Or yep. This company is direct. It goes direct from the company to the consumer. So you're paying less and getting more, which is awesome. Yep. And they also have their CCW safe for concealed carry. So if God forbid you do have to draw your firearm to protect yourself or someone else, they send someone to wherever you are on site, you know, don't talk to the police or anything. Just wait until they arrive. They'll take care of you and they'll handle the entire thing because there are so many ins and outs and little things you have to watch out for. And the first thing they're going to do is take away your gun. <laughs> yep. That, so and you're going to probably lose your job and you're going to go to jail and it's not going to be like on the movies where your attorney is going to show up at 2 well, a.m. in the morning. <laughs> that's the cool thing. They pay your bail. Yeah. So oh, yes. They get you out of you get a get out of jail free card with yeah. with this coverage. So, that's so USCCA cool. does that as well. They have that and you know that attorneys and and etc. But my point is, we're still being we were first the victim and now we become a suspect and we yep. and now we're under basically fire of yep. for protecting ourselves. So that's horrible that we have to do that. But that's that's great. And actually, that brings me to one other point, if you don't mind, is having your affiliates. So. So those things, how do people are going to know that? How many times do you have to say, hey, I'm going to post this or I'll, I'll send you the link for the company that I recommend for this, 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 and yep. this. And how many times are you sending that out? So if you have like a resources page or, um, or something like that, that's a great place to have all of that stuff listed and your actual links to where you get credit for that. Or if you have a code, like I have, you know, laser ammo is my sponsor for competition. So I have a code that they, people can use. So they know, meaning laser ammo knows that I'm using, that I'm still representing that company and trying to give them that stuff. So this would be for you is having that link to CCW safe 
that whether there's a code that they use or if it's a specific affiliate link, people just click that from your website and they go directly to it versus you having to text it to them and email it to them. It's like, here, go to my website, 180firearmstraining.com, go to resources page. It's all right there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely need that, <laughs> especially because assuming, I outsource everything. Yes. yes. Assuming if you need a discount code, also keep it simple. Don't make me type in a 13 letter. Thing. Right, um, right. One of the things I want to ask you uh, on training women specifically, now, most of the ladies that I've spoken to going to shooting, their first kind of introduction to shooting was obviously a spouse or, you know, a brother or family member. And that seems to quickly degrade into a domestic fight. Um, <laughs> so how is it there? Have you kind of, is that why women kind of seek out you? Because I just want to be instructed by a woman who's kind of, you know, on their level. Yes and yes. So First of all, we don't want any fights, right? We want, um, and the husband usually wants his wife to learn how to shoot because they can do things together, but he also doesn't want the grief of, I already told you that. Well, I told you to do it this way. And so now we don't have any arguments. However- Here, by the snubby. Yeah, right? <laughs> the, the other thing is, is when women and men learn differently. Like I just had a couple of, um, you know, that I was training Friday and they both didn't shoot, you know, work shooter, shooters regularly. So they were both still very new to it, but I was like, I can give a, this firearm to this man. And I say, Hey, go shoot it. He'll just pick it up and he'll instinctively shoot it. Now he may not have the best grip and he may not have all the proper knowledge, but he's just going to pick it up and shoot it. You hand that to, same gun to a woman. She's going to be like, well, what happens if I do it this way? Well, which way do I do this? Well, how do I do it like this? Well, why is this? We want to know everything about it before we do it because, well, I mean, it is something that can kill somebody. But guys have a different mentality about that. Not saying it's better or worse. It's just we're we're different. So I like to I like to give women all of the information, and it's a little information overload. But I tell them that I expect them to not remember everything. But that's what makes them feel better. I went to the range with one woman an hour and a half, and we shot 10, 10 rounds that whole hour and a half because every time we got up to shoot, she went out to push out to shoot, and then she go what about this? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great question. Let's talk about that. And, and then it wasn't, we're like, we're having this 10 hour dialogue, but it was like, this is a good feeling. This is good that you're saying this. This is a great question. Let's answer that. Great validation. All right. You ready now? Yep. Okay. And then we shoot one and she's like, oh, you know, and she would go through a feeling or something. We did shoot again then, then another time and she did so much better and she felt so much more empowered as, as a woman and, and as somebody who's holding a firearm that could potentially kill somebody, she feels so much better. And that is what, that's an amazing feeling. So yes, Grant, uh, women, next women, level, you know? <laughs> women learn differently. Yes. We weren't, we learn differently. We, we do things differently. We have different concerns. And I, and I think that um, men can be intimidating and not all men, you know, and not all women are intimidated. I went into the, um, you know, competition world as, as one of, you know, five, 10% women. And, but I'm six foot, 200 pounds. I'm, I'm kind of a big girl and nobody messes with me already. So, <laughs> but still I had the complimentary, you know, did you ever try this? And I was like, okay, I'll listen to you with your mansplaining. But then, <laughs> uh, <well. laughs> so. I love that you take them in before ever going to the range. 
and just talk through everything, let them handle the firearm, do a little dry fire, go through all the safety before one bullet is ever fired. I think a lot of men just jump right in. Absolutely. And, and that goes to exactly just my point of that we all learn things differently and we're all different. And I think too, with firearms, people get hesitant about it because of that reason, because it is a, as a, a lethal killing machine and that it needs, it needs the proper respect. And I think that if we all give it that proper respect, then we will, everybody will be a little bit safer. So yeah. let's get, you, oh, go ahead, Green. Sorry, no, I just wanna to touch on something because it's funny. Um, so clearly, yeah, you're a woman and you can't handle a firearm. So here's a snubby because um, it's easy, right? All right. And it's one of the <laughs> hardest guns to actually shoot well. Um, one of the things we have here is, so back in the 80s, 90s, you know, we're all going to die. So it, the husbands all had their, their semi-auto pistols and they all bought their wives snubbies. So that was the sea of secondhand snubbies that obviously no one wants, no one likes to shoot and they're dirt cheap. So when you start training, sorry, I'm going off tangents. When you start training someone, do you start with like a tutu or do you start with an actual firearm? How do you, how do you introduce them to it? Actually, the funniest the thing, range. yeah, well, so, so again, I usually start not at the range. So my introduction is usually with my competition pistol, my, my full-size M&P Pro full-size. I want them to have their whole hands on a gun. And then actually I transition through a few of my other firearms, which would might be the regular M&P. It would be a Glock 19, a Glock 26. By the time I get to the Glock 26, now all of these are nine millimeters, mind you, the Glock 26 is smaller, shorter. Now I have big hands. This thing fits me about half of my hand. I've actually put in a full-size Glock magazine into the Glock 26, just because I don't like how the fact that my pinky has nowhere to go, right? And that's even with an extended mag. I always start with a full-size. I tell ladies um, a 22 is basically for, um, if you squirrels. were to be planking at a squirrel, that's <laughs> what you would use. <laughs> And that a nine millimeter is just as, as good as, you know, I mean, a 45 has got more, more butt to it, but you know, I'm, I want them to be safe as well. And I think it's a good middle ground A 380. Sure. A 380 could be fine, but you're paying at least as of right now, another $10 a box for, for 50 rounds. So I say that there's nothing wrong with a nine millimeter. There's plenty to choose from. And also going back to your point is a lot of guys will buy their women, either um, revolvers or small handguns because we have small hands and we have small hands and we don't have the upper body strength and we can't handle these. And it's like, well, the, will this okay. gun put in your purse? <laughs> I have a video on YouTube. Go check it out. It's called grip like a girl. A lot of men teach women how to grip like a man, but we're just built differently. So if you want to see my tips on how to grip for women, check out grip like a girl, or if you're a dude with smaller hands, that'll work for you too. Yeah, and I and I talk to them too about it's it's all about the grip, you know. So the the heaviest part of a semi-automatic pistol is you is you know not not a normal nine millimeter is the is the slide. So the higher up we get our hands, the better chances we have. And sometimes shifting that left hand back or forth might make a huge difference on how we can control it. And as if you have the proper grip and you can still function with that gun completely, then you've got a good fit. And it, and it's don't buy your your spouse a gun just because it's pink or it's Tiffany blue or because it's small. 
make sure that, and I always say never buy a gun unless you shot it, at least for, mm -hmm. for those that are unfamiliar. If you know, you're familiar with guns and you buy it because it looks cool, hey, great, go, go buy another gun. I'm all happy about that. But for, for people who are new to shooting, go shoot the guns first, then buy a gun. Yeah, and a lot of indoor ranges will have something like speed dating with a gun where you get yes. to try a different gun for 15 minutes per gun. Yes. And then you can try it before you buy it. If they don't have them available for sale there, you can at least try them there and then go somewhere else to buy it. Absolutely. Or if you're at the range, um, if you go show up at a match, literally anyone there will let you try their gun. Everyone's Absolutely. very cool. Yep. Yep. Bring a couple extra bucks just in case you need to throw out some ammo for them, right? <laughs> yeah. So Grant, what do you think about using 40 for self-defense? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, uh, um, <laughs> dangling the carrot. As I okay, so our licensing is a little bit different. So I had two forty cal competition pistols, and um, recently just got a nine. I carried a Glock nineteen. So my first gun was Glock nineteen. Carried that for years, and then a Glock seventeen when I sold that to buy a Glock forty eight. Didn't like the forty eight because it malfunctioned too much. So I'm getting a red APX compact. Um, so right now, because of the licensing, I'm actually carrying a Glock 35 because that's just what I have. Now it takes about six to eight months for us to actually get licenses. So still waiting. So the way I view handguns is a little bit differently to you guys, whereas if you buy something, you don't like it, you go trade it in. So using 40 for self-defense, um, it's, it's okay, it's fine, it'll work. You do have less rounds. Um, the word a lot of people are going to be looking for in the tactical Timmy community is stopping power. Well, it's got it's got more recoil. Does it have more stopping power? Yes, maybe in a bit, but like fractions. And so our police officers carry 115 grain 9 mil FMJ. There's a lot of shootings in South Africa. And obviously, because it's a very violent country and our police forces are very, not very well trained. Let's put it very nicely. They shoot still 40 rounds a year. Is that right? Yeah, they, they, some police stations will shoot yeah, about 40, 40 rounds a year if they're lucky. Some police officers are issued 25 rounds. Wow. Is Kristen, it, you did you 50... just say your website name? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, some police officers crap. can get... Um, and I have seen cops with ammo where they've cycled it so many times that they've seated the bullet into the case so much that it looks like a round of 380. Um, so this is what they're basically carrying. They're still shooting people with it. People are still dying with it, even, even because of that. Now, obviously, you know... Um, because our uh, public health care is not that great either. It takes about 40 minutes for an ambulance to arrive. So, yeah. Um, so when you're in a country where so many people are dying from nine more ball, does 40 really make a difference? No. I mean, when I packed on my, my 35, I didn't have any jacketed hollow points for it. I just basically carried my competition load, which is 180 grain uh, coated bullet at 960 feet per second like it's going to do the job fine um 38 well, special talk, we don't yeah can you talk about so the difference between recoil with a 40 versus a 45 and why it's different 
Okay, well, okay, I haven't shot a lot of 45. So the first gun I actually shot was a 1911. Um, haven't shot a lot of 45, shot a lot ton of 40. Um, shooting a lot of nine more currently. So if we look at shooting defensively in terms of shooting 0 0.5, 0 0.8 splits to get good hits, I really don't feel like there's a market difference. Okay. Yes, there's more snap, but if we're trying to shoot fast, that, I mean, the 40 cal will punch you in the hand a little bit more. Okay. 45 is going to push you in the hand a little bit more, and 9 mils, just the front size is going to raise up and down. That's kind of how I would describe it. Well, the but mass have... of the 45, the mass of the gun sort of balances out much better than the mass of 40. So the 40, yeah, so... you're going to feel a little more of a kick, and it's going to be a little harder to hang on to, where the 45 has more mass in the gun to fight that inertia. Yeah. But if we, if I mean, also, Mark, I have a very strong grip. So, if you put the 40, if you put a forty in the hands of someone who does not have a good grip, now I've spent, I spend countless hours dry firing every day on grip, well, not out, countless hours every month. Sorry, dry firing, you know, on grip, you know, I'm at least fifteen minutes a day working on that. Yes, my grip's pretty good, and I'm also, you know, gripping the gun pretty, pretty, pretty well, and gripping the gun where it needs to be gripped. So maybe I don't feel a difference, but you put it into someone who's not as good um, with that, doesn't shoot as much. I mean, I was shooting a thousand rounds of forty a week. I'm gonna. I got good at controlling that recoil. So, and I'm still. I mean, I still take out the gun and shoot it. You know, shoot a mag through it. Like, oh, okay, I can still make relatively good hits, even though I haven't shot the gun or practiced with it. But for a new gun owner having all of that on top of learning how to shoot it's it's too much i think so while you can you know sit on the internet and you know oh yes one shot stops and all of that you're still learning how to shoot very well if you can't basically do the drills that like larry vickers will do like the b8 bullseye test or do some of the time drills on demand cold then with a nine mil then you have no no real business doing 40 or 45 because that's going to turn into misses and misses in a self-defense scenario are just unacceptable. Yeah, I would say nine millimeter is probably the easiest to train with. Of course, 22 is going to be really easy to train with, but you're not going to get the recoil. So you're not going to learn how to control the recoil. However, if I do have a student who has a lot of anxiety, PTSD, that sort of thing because of gunshots, then I will start them with a 22 just to get them comfortable and build their confidence because it so is going to be easier to get their hits. So once I they did build actually that buy a, I did buy a, a, a two, two when I had, you know, my Glock 19s and 17s thinking, Hey, this might be a pretty cool training tool because you know, why not? And it was basically free, but then I went to go buy two, two ammo. Now I was reloading nine more at the time. And when I actually looked under, uh, this was pre, this was BC, you know, before COVID. Um, <laughs> basically, nine, to reload nine more was the same cost as the two two we get. So, because it is imported and all of that. So I was like, why would I use that as a training tool when nine more to reload is the same cost? Exactly. Yeah. So then that's what it boiled down to. Let's get back to 
websites for firearms instructors. What, what would you recommend? Girl. What, yeah. Let's do a 180 here. Hey. So, hey. so what would you recommend to someone who just started their firearms training business during COVID? They, let's say they refused to get vaccinated, lost their job. Now they're going to use this time to pursue their firearms training business. They need a website. What are you going to tell them? Well, so just, I have a couple of words of thought on that. So just because you can, doesn't mean you should. So yes, you can build your own website, but just because you can does not necessarily mean you should. Because so remember- you're not, a, you're not a fan of Wix. I am definitely not a fan of Wix or Weebly. <laughs> Any, I tried Wix once. It was terrible. <sighs> it is terrible. one of, I would say one of the worst um, was Wix and Weebly, in my opinion. Now, Wix, I will say they have improved their game. I used to do SEO for a client who had a Wix website. Um, it was an in, um, inspection business. And their functionality or mm-hmm. SEO compatibility for blogs was horrible. They have upped their game a little bit. But um, just keep in mind, too, that if you ever decide to leave, Remember who owns your business, okay? You own your business. So you're paying Wix a monthly fee or, you know, an annual fee to host your, your business, your, your livelihood. And if you decided you wanted to stop paying them, then you're going to lose your business. So whereas WordPress, yeah, you might have to have to pay for somebody to build it for you, but it is a build and, and hopefully done, or at least, you know, little tweaks here or there. But WordPress is free. So you pay for somebody to do it or you do it yourself. And now all you're paying for is your domain, which is your business name and the hosting because somebody's got to put it on the internet. Whereas Wix kind of pairs those two or three together and then they still own your business. So you're always going to be paying for that. So yeah, sure, your fee may be a little bit less per month, but you're paying it for the life of your business. Whereas WordPress, you pay somebody, sure, let's say you pay somebody you know, $1,500 to build your website, right? I think, Kita, you're paying about half of that a year right now because you have a shopping cart on your website. That doesn't that work. Does, that doesn't work. <laughs> but let's just say it did. Let's just say it did. So you're paying for the life of your business $800 a year just to have the, the shopping cart functionality. But, but at the end of the day, if you decided that you weren't selling anything, any products, you're just selling your service and a quick little shopping cart for, you know, paying for your classes, you're still paying $800, you know, a year. So $8,000 in 10 years versus having, reducing that overhead down a little bit and maybe paying a little bit more up front, say $1,000, $2,000. Now you're just paying for a just the domain and, and the hosting, and then maybe a, a shopping cart plug-in or something. Yeah, so so you have domain, to kind of weigh those things. Just so you guys know, the domain is about $10 a year or something like that. So my 180firearmstraining.com, I pay $10 a year to keep that. Yep. So you pay annually for your domain, then you have hosting, and you can generally get into some hostings, uh, at least an introductory price, pretty, pretty inexpensively, I don't know, say four, four to $5 a month, but then you're going to be paying usually anywhere from 10 to say $15 a month for that um, annually um, there after the introductory price. So you're still going to have that hosting price, but say, you know, uh, $10 a month, that's $120 compared to 
you're paying eight hundred dollars. I mean, one hundred twenty a year. You're paying eight for it to not work, <laughs> for it not to work, right? <laughs> so you kind of have to weigh it. So, <coughs> so I always suggest, and every website's a little different. What do, What are your needs? What do you want to put on there? <coughs> what are you trying to accomplish? You know, and then think long term. How long are you going to have this business? So, do you really want to spend? You know. $3,000 or $1,000 on a website that you're going to leave in two, in two years? Of course not. So then that Wix site or that whatever site that you're just going to pay for two years, great, more power to you. So um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. If you need help, I'd definitely uh, try to, you know, help people and then educate them because I don't want to, I don't want to manage and take over websites forever. Meaning, yes, I can be there for you if you need help. But my goal is to, to empower business owners, just like I do women. I want you to learn how to do your own website. I want you to be able to make your own changes if you want to. So I don't, there's, there's some websites I call them holding hostage. So if you like, like Wix is basically, in my opinion, holding your website hostage because you're going to have to pay them forever to keep it. You can't have it back. You, they just can't hand it over to you. You have hundred percent control of your website with WordPress. So those are just some examples of that. And then, um, and then if, you know, there's website builders, same idea. If you decide you want to stop paying the, you know, Squarespace or website builder to build your, have your website built, then you're, you're, you've lost it. Now you have to start all over. So now you've paid this annual fee to keep your website on their platform. Now you got to pay it again to build it on your own. So why don't, why don't you start from the beginning the right way? put a little bit of money into your business and now own it forever. Yeah. And this is why I need you. Yay. Kristen, so make it go. It was so cute though. Cause you're like, I really just want to have X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, we can do that. But, oh my gosh, I see this on your website. And, oh, what about your affiliates? Oh, you're right. I want that too. And then you're like, oh, and I want to be able to sell my products. And, oh, and I want to do this. And I want to you know, do this. And I said, you just talked yourself right back into what I was suggesting in the first place. It was very cute though. It's, <laughs> you know, I am that person that I will go into Shields or Target and say, I don't need a shopping cart. And then I walk up to the checkout and I'm like carrying things on my head, just trying to get through the checkout because I refuse to get that shopping cart. Yeah, this totally describes that situation. <laughs> That's like exactly that what happened. I'm like that too, unless I know I need a lot of things. Like obviously grocery store, I'll take a grocery cart. But like if I'm going in for a few things, I know that I'm probably going to get too many. So I go there without getting a cart, knowing that if I run out of hands, then this is where I have to stop. <laughs> so let's talk about the email. Um, I, I've had a lot of people say to me, why are you using Gmail? And I didn't understand why I was getting that question. Cause again, I'm computer illiterate, which is why I need you. Yeah. So why don't you explain that? Why that's important. That was a question that I asked you too, Keto. Remember we had this conversation. So I said, Hey, why do you have this 180 firearms training at gmail.com? You're like, that's so funny. Other people have asked me that too. So I see it as again, uh, kind of like when you have a crappy website and um, that's basically speaking for your business. So you're saying that your business is not important enough for you to purchase the own, your own domain you know, website. So it'd be info at 180 firearms training or Kita at, you know, that would be, that shows that you're actually investing in yourself. So that's kind of how I see it. 
when you see companies that market or spend money on advertising or spend money on marketing or billboards, and I mean, not always, but basically I see that this company is trying to improve themselves. They're, they're investing in themselves. They're trying to put their best foot forward there. They want to do well. Whereas if you're not going to invest any time and money, you're going to haggle over the price over everything. You don't see your own value. Then you're probably not going to be here in this space in two years or a year or whatever. Right. So I see it, you're investing in yourself. And quite honestly, if you have the right domain and hosting, usually like um, the hosting I recommend and I have an affiliate for it too, which is on my website, is SiteGround. And so they're international as well. So SiteGround has great customer service. I've been, it's been amazing. And they offer as many emails as you want for free along with an SSL certificate, which an SSL, an SSL certificate is your is showing security for your website. So um, <clears throat> it's that HTTPS, it's that extra level of security for your website. Back in the day, uh, some websites had it and people thought, oh, well, I don't sell anything. Or if I use PayPal, I'm not selling it directly on my website. It's redirecting to another website. I don't need an SSL certificate. Well, that changed. So if you don't have an SSL certificate, Google is basically frowning upon you. So uh, again, back to my original point, SSL certificates are important, but they come free with um, SiteGround hosting. Okay. So why not? I mean, it doesn't cost you anything. Right. So we did have a listener question asking about DAPA, which I had to look up. <laughs> and we discovered it's under the umbrella term of search engine optimization. Is there anything else you would suggest to this person they asked well, what are they looking for? You, I think you kind of touched on it before with just trying to use words that are going to make you more searchable. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add that to further answer her question? So your domain authority and your page authority is basically saying that you're doing, you're doing the work, that page. Your website has so much authority based on other people, which um, Google rates every page and every website, um, a, some authority rating. And Anamaz does, there's a whole bunch of different things that can grade your website. But at the end of the day, if you're putting quality um, and content, quality content with keywords that are rich, and I don't mean every other word has to be firearms training, 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 training. Let's not be spammy about it. It needs to be natural, it needs to be read naturally, you know, by the person, the consumer that you're dealing with, whatever, whatever language that may be, um, then you're telling Google, that these are the keywords that are important on this page and on this website, and hopefully you'll have better chances of showing up in search. So page authority and domain authority is just a component of, of say, the Google algorithm, basically. So, so you how, just many times, how many times do you think the same word needs to appear on the page? There's Google keyword density tests. Yeah, keyword density, I, I think is, I don't know. I, I like to say that I put them in there enough to where it's evident, but not too much to where it's spammy. And so you just kind of have to reread it. And if, if you're reading something and you're like, man, I just, this is redundant, then maybe it's too much. And also it used to be a thing where you wanted to use different um, terms like latent um, passing of like the word. So firearms or like, let's say bullets and ammunition to, to Google, it's, those are gonna be synonymous but you can switch them around and kind of change, you know, firearms to weapons, 
you know, to different kinds of or guns, you're using different terms, but you would probably use different terms naturally anyways. When you're searching, so yeah. Right. So, so if you're, synonyms yeah, are good. Synonyms are good, but it's not essential because of the fact that Google already does that because, okay. I mean, we're talking about this power. You, you were talking about your te- computer technology-ness or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, Google lack thereof. <laughs> is way, it's, Google is way above that. So it used to be where we would have to use those terms. But now we don't have to because Google okay. is already know, knows. So when, I mean, heck, you know that when you type in a keyword phrase in Google and you say one thing, you know how other things come up because it's mm-hmm. trying to guess what, what, you, what it thinks you want. And now sometimes it's wrong. So that's why, you know, it recognizes. So if you hit, if you see a page of 10 organic results and you're like, not what I wanted and you hit that back button or start retyping in another search query, you're telling Google, this is not what I thought it was going to be, or this is not what I want. Or sometimes what happens is like, you might search for um, a pair of gloves, you know, or hearing protection, right? This is our industry, hearing protection. And all of a sudden you see a whole bunch of hearing aids and you're like, not what I was thinking. So I'm like hearing protection for, for shooting. So you're going to revise your key phrase because you thought Google's not giving you what you wanted. So you're going to revise it. Well, now you're going to have a a different set of 10. So having those, all of those kinds of words on your website are going to help Google make sure that you're providing the right stuff. Sometimes it happens it's wrong, but I mean, that's why it's important to keep putting more and more content on your website in the form of blogs. All right. Well, WTF, Kristen, why don't you tell people once again, where they can find you if they want a website or firearms training for women in Texas? Well, I can be found in either location, but you can find me at WTFKristen.com. That does redirect to womentrainingfirearmskristen.com. Uh, if you want help with your website or marketing, um, that would be at avisualbusiness.com. Um, if you get to one and you remember one more prominently than the other, you can just reach out and say, hey, I, was, I, was, I heard you on this podcast and I want help with um, my website, but I couldn't remember your business name. And so you land on that. I don't care how you reach me, just as long as you reach me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much well, for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great to uh, meet you, Grant. And um, very nice meeting time you. With I, you again, Kita. I, I have yeah. learned a lot about Googling in the firearms industry right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so hopefully thanks, you guys will spend honest. a little bit more time on your website, both of you, right? Yes. I, I, know I, don't, I don't have one. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I lured you right into that one, didn't I, Grant? I already know that Basic, I got I got. Basically, Kina. yes. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good evening. Ciao, ciao.